gifts and so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Timmy Gibson show. Uh, Timmy Gibson here, of course, your host, and I've got a really great clip from a YouTube channel called Big Think, and they cover a million different topics. Um, this particular topic is called the science of sex, love, attraction, and obsession. And uh, who we're going to hear from is a woman named Helen Fisher. And since we're talking about in this particular podcast, how to rekindle the sexual desire for your partner, uh, you know, maybe why you're not having the sexual desire, those feelings towards your partner, um, possible potential reasons why, and then of course, how to overcome it. So with that said, let's, let's just jump right into it. I'm going to play this short, uh, segment here and then we'll talk some about it. All right, let's do it. We all want to sustain a long-term happy partnership, and psychologists will give you uh, a long list of, of smart ways to sustain that. But I'd like to say what the brain can add. I studied the brain. And the first thing that you want to do is um, sustain the three basic brain systems for mating and reproduction. Sex drive, have sex with the partner, have sex regularly with the partner. If you don't have time, schedule the time to have sex with the partner. Because when you have sex with the partner, uh, you're driving up the testosterone system, so you're gonna wanna have more sex, but you also have all the cuddling, which is gonna drive up the oxytocin system and give you feelings of attachment. And um, having sex with the person, uh, any kind of stimulation of the genitals drives up the dopamine system and can sustain feelings of romantic love. So basically having sex, and of course there's, there can be good jokes about it and uh, uh, relaxation about it um, that is good for the body and the mind. So have sex with the person and sustain that brain system of the sex drive. To sustain feelings of intense romantic love, do novel things together. Novelty drives up the dopamine system and can sustain feelings of romantic love. And this isn't just in the bedroom. Just go to a different restaurant on Friday night. Take your bicycle instead of a car. Uh, read to each other in bed. Sit together on the couch and, and, and have a, a discussion about something new. Read new books together. Novelty, novelty, novelty sustains feelings of intense romantic love. You also want to uh, sustain feelings of deep attachment. And to do that, you have to just stay in touch. Uh, uh, learn to sleep in the person's arm, at least start that way. Um, cuddle uh, after dinner, uh, walk arm in arm down the street, uh, hold hands together, uh, put your foot on top of his foot uh, or her foot uh, while you're having dinner, gently of course, but stay in touch. That drives up the oxytocin system and can give you feelings of deep um, attachment to the partner. So you want to sustain all three of those brain systems, sex drive, feelings of romantic love, and feelings of deep attachment. But we've also found out um, what's going on in the brain in long-term happy partners. We did a study, a brain scanning study of people who were married an average of 21 years. And those people who were married an average of 21 years, who were still madly in love with their partner, showed activity in three brain regions. A brain region linked with empathy, a brain region linked with controlling your own emotions, and a brain region linked with what we call positive illusions. The simple ability, but sometimes hard, um, to overlook what you don't like about somebody and then focus on what you do. So last but not least, 
um, we've now known that um, if you say uh, several nice things to your partner every day, I would suggest five, but if you can only pull off two or three, whatever, say nice things to your partner, that actually um, um, reduces their cholesterol, reduces their cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and boosts their immune system, but it also boosts yours. So what the brain says about a happy long-term partnership is overlook what you don't like and focus on what you do, be, have, be, express empathy for the partner, control your own emotions, have sex with the partner, do novel things together, stay in touch, and say several nice things every day. And you will, your brain will help you sustain a long-term deep attachment. We're built to, we're built to love. That was so good. Whoops. I didn't have my microphone on. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, wow. She covered it. We could almost just end it there, but I want to unpack a little bit of this. Um, I took a lot of notes as I listened to this the first three or four times and talking about, you know, the having sex, which, which is like anything. It's, it's that funny phrase that, you know, uh, use it or lose it. <laughs> and when I think about sex, I think there is some truth in that that the more you have sex, of course, that ups your testosterone, as she said, um, which then creates more of that romantic feeling of love. And then that desire increases and, and all of that. So let's, let's, let's rewind here for a second and talk about what could be the reasons that you have no sexual desire period, or specifically no sexual desire for your partner, because that, that makes, um, that, that makes a big difference, whether it's something with your partner or not, because clearly if you have sexual desire, but it's just not for your partner, that's one issue. The other issue is if you just don't have sexual desire at all. So I think, I mean, I'll hide, I mean, I'll say a couple things uh, about, um, sexual desire period, but mainly what I want to focus on is a lack of sexual desire with your partner. Okay. So let's quickly address just no sexual desire. Honestly, I think that could be it could be a low test I'm for guys. I don't know about for women. I don't, I, I don't know. I would assume that there could be some similarities, but a lack of sexual desire just in general, uh, in guys often comes from a lack of, uh, testosterone. So that can be easily remedied by you know, going to the doctor, having your testosterone checked and, and do that. Not that this matters and not that I'm saying this for any other reason, except it's just, it's my reality. It's my truth. Um, I'm 54. I've never had my testosterone checked, but all the symptoms for low testosterone, I don't have, I don't have low energy. I don't have low sex drive. I don't, I just don't have, um, any of those issues that, that are, would make me, um, pursue that, but I would, I, I'm just telling you right now, I would hundred percent. I would go to the doctor. I would get my testosterone checked. If, if it, you know, if I just had zero, uh, sex drive, um, I would definitely get that looked at, uh, you know, nutrition, 
clearly working out, exercise, you know, good thoughts, your stress, all that stuff could be what's affecting your, your, um, you know, if you just have a bad relationship too, I mean, but again, I think your, your sexual desire is there. It's just not there for your partner. Okay. So let's, let's just talk about the main thing that I wanted to talk about is how to, um, how to resurrect <laughs> how to resurrect your sexual desire for your partner and i like what helen said in that little segment that i played at the beginning there uh you know having sex re um rejuvenates you and it it it's so good in so many ways um doing novel things together you know, doing different things together that maybe you don't do rather than doing whatever it is that you do, you know, whether it's just sit in front of the TV, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I love doing that. And it's, it's, it, it's definitely enjoyable, but also it's fun to take walks or it's fun to read or it's fun to play card games. I mean, it's fun to, to mix it up from time to time too. Um, so doing novel things together, that's, you know, spending that time together, um, those, a lot of those things that she mentioned, holding hands, talking about sex and talking about erotic things together is especially through text can be very arousing and, uh, and very fun. Um, uh, so that's also an, important to do that, you know, to make sure you're, you're having lots of non-sexual touching. So let me, okay. So why, what would be the reason of a low sex drive with your partner. Well, you, you're disconnected in some way. You, um, you're taking care of the kids and you know, you get home from work, you start cooking food and then you, you're stirring the food with one hand and changing a diaper with the other. And then you're putting the kids to bed and that can be a fight. Well, that, that doesn't, that doesn't create an atmosphere for love and sex, right? That's not, that doesn't help create that. So there are, Lots of different things that I just mentioned to do that obviously if you're not doing those things, you're not holding hands, you're not kissing, you're not giving massages, you're not saying sweet things to each other and all those, those things that, that will then decrease your desire for each other. So do those things to increase the desire for each other, but it's also something that you just must do. You must be intimate together. It's something that is, it's a non-negotiable. It's something that you just must do. It's something that is part of a romantic relationship is that you engage in sexual intercourse with each other. So, and let's just be honest, right? You don't have to be feeling it to start feeling it when you start touching. So, there is something to be said with whether you feel it or not, you do it. But hello, obviously all of us want to feel it. That makes it even that much better to get into it, to have that desire. So the remedies would be, be intentional with creating an atmosphere where sex is likely to happen, meaning make sure to, Put the kids to bed early and then don't settle in on the couch, you know, put the kids to bed early, take a shower or a bath. You know what I mean? Like start 
preparing yourself for intimacy. Now, I realize maybe you're thinking, I don't have time for that, Timmy. Well, it doesn't have to be every day, but it could be at least at bare minimum, uh, at least a couple times a week where you're really setting aside time to be intimate with your partner. Clearly what I'm saying right now, this would be an outflow from a, a loving couple, right? A loving couple is motivated to find time to have sexual relations because they still really feel good about each other. Maybe you're in a situation where sex with your partner sounds so uninteresting maybe even gross. Uh, well, you've, you've gotten a long way from that wedding day, uh, to get to that place. And, and it's going to take, it's going to take a little bit of a road to get back. Right. Because if all you're thinking about is everything you don't like about your partner, everything that they're doing wrong, everything that you don't appreciate about them, all of their faults, if that's all you're focusing on, then clearly it's going to be a little difficult to feel any kind of romantic feelings towards your partner when all you think about them typically is more of the negatives. So back to what even Helen said, this, you know, writing a note to your partner, telling him, uh, telling him or her all the things that you love and appreciate about them will begin to mull over in your heart and in your mind. And then you just have to think about those things too and say them verbally. Um, but I think the, I think the most uh, really, I mean, Helen in that little clip covered most all of this. Um, but I thought it just, it, it, I, I, I know that you can get busy with life and things that are easy to do also are easy not to do. And in when it comes to sexual desire, it, it, you just have to start somewhere. Like you have to start somewhere. And so the first thing that I would recommend a couple doing is if, if, if you're listening to this, and probably both of you aren't listening to it at the same time, but let me just only speak to you directly. You love your partner, but you just don't have a sexual desire for them. Well, the first and most important thing to do is to be able to recognize that and maybe dig into where is it coming from? Did you guys have an argument that they didn't apologize for, or you felt that it didn't come to a resolve like you would have hoped or would have thought, and you're kind of holding some resentment or some bitterness? I mean, what's, what is it? What's holding you back? I mean, can you look in, can you look within and, and figure out where did it veer off? You know, where, where did you stop hungering for your partner sexually? Like at what point did that change? You know, I, I would hope that it didn't change because there's the introduction of someone else at work that you now feel sexually attracted to, but you don't feel as sexually attracted to your partner. You know, I'm just telling you, that road is a road of doom and gloom. So just don't go down that road. I'm just trying to save you from heartache here. And you need to, what you're doing with this other person potentially, I'm just hypothetical if that's someone's listening to this and I'm speaking to you right now. What 
what you're doing with that other person is what you should be doing with your partner. So the sexual desire that you're feeling for someone else is being cultivated by your actions and your thoughts and your texts and your notes and your interactions and like everything you're doing, it's feeding that. So in a relationship, in a marriage, you just need to turn that and focus that in on your partner. Now, where it can be tough is if there's some roadblock, there's some, some thing that's broken and not going right. And therefore it's, you know, fucking it up. It's fucking up the mojo between you two. And, you know, I don't, I don't really know what else to say, except that that just has to be addressed. And most likely, you know, it might need to be addressed in front of a counselor if, if you can't figure it out just between you two by having an open and honest, vulnerable, uh, face-to-face talk where you express your heart and your feelings and, and all that's going on. So, so, but then there's other things that could be going on it in a marriage. Sometimes people get laxed and they stop wearing perfume or they stop caring about their body or they, they, they don't care about different things. They, they don't wear negligee or lingerie anymore. Um, in other words, just put yourself in a situation where you're trying to impress someone because that's the way it should be. And not, not to a drudgery. Okay. Because you should be able to be comfortable and you should be able to let your hair down, so to speak with your partner. Of course. Hello. Of course that absolutely, but you don't want to become so lax and have your hair let down so much that you never put your hair up and you never try to look good to impress your partner. There's, there is a balance there, you know, and, and sitcoms make fun of this all the time. And it's just sad. It's sad. I think in one sitcom, they said, if you don't want to have sex anymore, then just get married. And I'm like, that is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. But sadly, it's so true. And not only that, you hear in sitcoms, they say the same thing. Oh, he got, he got, he grew up, grew a big old nasty beard and got a belly gut now because he's married. You know, he doesn't care anymore. Nothing wrong with a beard, obviously. Um, it, but it's that kind of stuff that does lend itself to lack of sexual desire because they're, you're not sexually desirable anymore because you're not, you're not trimming the nose hairs, clipping the air, the ear hairs. You're not, you know what I mean? Like that you're not taking care of yourself. And so that's just some real simple practical things to do is, you know, care for yourself. Now there's a balance to this. You don't want to become so vain or so into that, that it's, you've gone to the other side, which is crazy town, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't, there's, there's extremes on all things. There's, there's, you just got to be careful. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. There's nothing wrong with, you know, makeup. Of course, there's nothing wrong, wrong with any of that stuff to beautify, to make yourself feel good, to make yourself feel pretty, to make yourself feel confident, whatever, like do those things and also do those things 
with the intention of being your presenting your best self for yourself uh as well as your partner you know this this just popped in my head they said that one of the best things you can do every morning is make your bed well clearly even if you're not having company do you need to make your bed i'm going to get in it tonight does that really matter yes <laughs> it does it's like you've accomplished the first thing of the day by making your bed. Plus, it just looks nice. It doesn't matter if anybody else is going to see it. Guess what? You see it and your partner sees it. And it just feels good to have a made bed. And how does that relate to this? It's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm relating these two as like the made bed is you. Like make your bed, you know, take care of yourself. Um, presenting your best self again for yourself but also as a side it keeps your partner uh desiring you or it keeps it makes you desirable okay you're not trying to be desirable to anyone else except your partner but it's also something that you're doing for your own self-esteem i know for me just personally when i take a shower and do my hair and i shave and whatever i just feel better now and i don't do that every day because some days for one i don't want to or it's not necessary i just like there's just no reason for me to do it um and sometimes i do it even when there isn't a reason to do it but i but but i do every you know few days make sure to to shave and and look good whether i'm going out or not because I want to look good for myself, but also I want to look good for my partner and I don't want her coming home and I'm, you know, looking slouchy and nasty and <laughs> you know, my hair's all crazy and you know, all that. So I, I keep reiterating this because I think, I think it's so important. Things can get out of balance though. If you, if you're just so uptight and you're like, oh my gosh, my spouse is going to be home. I better hurry up and take a shower and get all fixed up because otherwise she won't like me or he won't like me. Well, that's fucking nuts. Like, no, I'm not talking about that. That's That would be crazy, crazy unhealthy. If you are anxiously doing things to impress your partner, I don't find that good at all. Like, that's not good at all. So that is not what I'm talking about at all you should feel comfortable and safe and secure with your partner period full stop end of that that 100 and then with that said not letting ourselves go to the point of here okay let me just say this i've seen this happen it's one of the things that i have said I've said for years, I will probably always say it. One of the things that irritates me almost more than anything when it comes to like this kind of thing is you see a couple get divorced and after they get divorced, all of a sudden his teeth are wider. He's lost the beer gut. He got, has a cool haircut and he dresses more stylish she gets a boob job she also loses weight goes gets a tan gets her teeth all capped and gets a new haircut and it's like, <laughs> it's like what the hell is going on you know what is that i i find that 
just despicable because in my mind, why one, I'm thinking, why are you doing that? Well, I know why they're doing it because they're going to be back on the market and they have to look good, right? Like, uh, duh, that's a course. That's a, that's a, that's exactly what's going on. So when you're in a committed partnership, why would you ever let yourself get so out of shape and let your teeth get brown? <laughs> let your, you know, like, why would you let yourself go when you are in a partnership? You shouldn't do that. So what are we talking about? Sexual desire. Well, that might be what the problem is. There's a lack of sexual desire because you've both, you've both given up, you know, you, you've both quit caring and no, of course that doesn't elicit sexual desire. If both of you have let go and quit trying and right. So taking care of yourself is one thing that you can do to increase your sexual desire, be more sexually desirable and make that a pact between you and your partner that, Hey, both of us are going to be more sexually desirable for each other. Okay. So the, also the recognizing if the, if the relationship is just out of, out of kilter, if there's something unresolved, you have to resolve it. Like it, that's just a non-negotiable. If you have something that you've fought over or there's been some issue and you never did fully resolve that thing and it still kind of is either makes you angry or upsets you or hurts your feelings or whatever, then, you know, clearly that's something that you need to circle back around to, as they say, and, and bring it to a resolve, like really do what you need to do, because that might be what's standing in the way of your sexual desire is this elephant in the room, so to speak. You got to get to get that elephant out of the room to, to be able to reconnect. But then going back to what I said earlier, it's doing those things that create more love. It's, it's writing those notes. It's buying those flowers. It's giving those gifts. It's going on dates. It's that I, and you know, I sound like a, a broken record here because I say these things all the time in, in regards to happy, healthy relationships. And that's, you know, dating and spending time together. And, you know, like I've said before, watching Netflix is not a date now granted. I, and I, I have to keep, I feel like I keep having to qualify or things just because I want to be super clear. Okay. During the week you're working, obviously it's more difficult to go out during the week. And so watching Netflix, watching your favorite show or watching, doing whatever, whatever it is that you and your partner do, of course you're working Monday through Friday, you know, nine to six and you get like, you know, you're not going to be able to go out as much during the week though. I'll be honest with you. I see a ton of people. It's like Thursday's the new Friday. I feel like Wednesday's becoming the new Friday. Now it's like, people just can't wait to get out. Friday's coming. Uh, it's only Wednesday, but well, <laughs> let's get started. So anyway, <laughs> um, my freaking phone just keeps ringing. It's what happens when you, um, have your number published on the, on the internet, you just get crazy calls and most of them are spam calls. All right. So 
making sure that you're doing things that cultivate love and, and affection and those things that we've already mentioned doing novel, you know, having sex, doing novel things together, like different, change it up, do different things together, go to a costume party, like, you know, go just do different things, whatever it is that you've done. Don't do any of that. Do something new. Okay. That's what novel is. It's, I think that was, let me look up that word novel. What is it? Did I even spell that right? Novel meaning. Oh, I think I spelled. <laughs> I spelled it wrong in my notes. Oh, how do you spell novel? Like I know like book. Two L's. Is that right? Huh? Okay. Novel. Oh, you know what? It's spelled just like novel, like the book. It's the same way. When I wrote it down, I was like, man, novel that I don't know if that's because it says a long printed story about imaginary characters and events, but a novel as an adjective is new and different from what has been known before. Okay. So exactly what, what I thought and, and what she meant and what she said, um, don't, whatever you've done before, don't do that. Do something new. Okay. That's doing something novel. So you're going to have sex regardless of whether you want to or not, regardless of it's spontaneous or not. You just make a time, cultivate an atmosphere for making love, and then you do it. Do novel things together, which are things that you haven't ever done before. Um, creating a deep attachment requires the, the touching, the cuddling, and all those things. And making sure that you're saying nice things to each other and about each other. And I would add this. She said saying nice things to your partner. I agree with that, but I would add to that, that you not only say nice things to them, but if, and when you ever speak of your partner, only say nice things. If you can't say a nice thing about your partner, don't say anything at all. Just don't, don't talk to your friends about what a bitch you're married to and what a blah, 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 blah. Don't do that. Listen. If you have those kinds of complaints about your spouse, take your butt to the counselor and a good one, find a good one and talk to them about it. Caveat, right? If you have one good close friend and you guys got to talk about each other, talk to each other openly and honestly, okay, I'm not opposed to that totally, but don't just bitch and moan to your partner and then they're bitching and moaning about their ball and chain. That's not helpful at all. People that do that, that's not helpful for them. That's not helpful, helpful for the relationship and it's not helpful for their partner. It's like terrible, 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 terrible. In fact, I always say this to singles all the time. If, if you go on a date and someone talks poorly about their ex, I don't give a shit if it's true. It's still a character flaw that that person is doing that. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do a second date with a person like that. I, I wouldn't do it. You're just asking for trouble. One day you'll be the person they're talking poorly about. Don't do it. That's a true statement. Those that gossip to you gossip of you hundred percent. It's a fact. 
So saying nice things to your partner, I think is wonderful. Saying nice things about your partner to others is also very helpful and not saying negative things about your partner to other people. Okay. Now I would also add this. Let me just go a little deeper. What you think about your partner. If you have negative feelings and vibes in yourself about your partner, if you have complaints and, and irritations and disappointments and all that towards your partner. Okay. Listen. Okay, fine. You have to talk to your partner about it. You got to talk to your partner about it. That's it. You've got to talk. You can't bury that stuff. It will expose itself. It, you can't hide that stuff forever. You got to talk about it. So if you have any, any ill will, any irritation, frustration, any of that in your mind about your partner, no matter what it's about, if it's about your sex life, it's about their cooking. If it's about their tardiness or if it's about their dirtiness or if it's about, I don't care what it is, whatever it is, if you're in a partnership, especially if you're married, you should schedule a time. Say, Hey, listen, let's, let's do a, a relationship check-in, a relationship check-in and let's check in with each other and see what's up see what what's going on right like address that all right then she mentioned this also and this is something that i've talked about a, a lot i didn't have this title to it which i really love that i looked this up and it gave a great definition but she called it positive illusion I looked it up. It's a form of self-deception under which people have inflated favorable attitudes about themselves or others close to them. Positive illusion. Now, this does not mean that you would then overlook toxic, abusive, or narcissistic behavior. Okay. Clearly, I'm not saying that. This is not a bury your head in the sand. La, 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 la. I want to listen to good stuff. I, okay. It's not that. Don't, don't put words in my mouth because I'm telling you right now, that's not that. Okay. If there's some kind of toxic, abusive, or narcissistic behavior, clearly you bring it up and you talk about it and you get to a place of resolve. If you can't resolve it between there, take it to a counselor get it resolved. Okay. But, but here's the, here's the reality. Here's the facts. Everybody on planet earth has faults. Okay. Even people that we look at and think they don't have faults. They do have faults. Everybody does. I would hope that the person that you married, their faults were doable, right? And they looked at you and your faults were doable. Okay. Meaning Everybody has faults, but what are the faults that you can deal with and live with and handle? What are the ones that you can't? So you, you need to know that that's something that would be important to know. What faults can I live with? Okay. And what faults can I not live with or imperfections, whatever, whatever you want to say. And granted, you know, hopefully your partner did the same thing and said, you know what? 
his faults or her faults were faults that I could deal with. Um, and we're good. And, you know, knowing that is, is super helpful. I recently had a conversation with a friend and she's with someone that I thought these, these to me sounded like big red flags and you know, who knows what the future holds. Um, I thought they were super, super kind of deal breaker red flags, but she's aware of the red flags and she says they're doable. So, you know, I'm, I don't, I can't know what someone else, what's going on in someone else's mind or head, but I can definitely, you know, ask questions and that's what I did to get clarification and, you know, really challenge her on, are you, are you sure? Like you're not, is love not somewhat blinding you? Like, you know, five years down the road are those quote unquote red flags. Now they're going to be a big issue because you were kind of hoping that maybe by getting married that he would get those things fixed. Right. Kind of thing. So, you know, again, this has all to do with sexual desire. <laughs> like this is all about sexual desire. And if you want sexual desire, uh, towards your partner, then 100%, uh, you need to make sure that there aren't things that are clogging up that sexual desire, uh, like a red flag that now irritates you so much that just the thought of them touching you frustrates you or irritates you. That's not good. All right. Um, I thought this was really fascinating also, uh, and it might've been another video that I listened to because I listened to so many different, um, videos, but, but the, the idea of creating and creating an atmosphere of love could be as simple as, uh, let's say, you know, normally your routine is you, you know, you watch TV and then you go to bed, you know, sometime uh, like right after you, right after you, you're done with the show and you go to bed. Well, one thought is maybe go to bed a little bit earlier rather than going to bed at 10 and go to bed at nine or eight and set the mood, you know, sit and read poetry to each other, um, in bed, uh, give each other massages, turn on some sexy music or some spa like music, light some candles in the bedroom and just create an atmosphere of romance and love that is so easy to do right but it's also so easy not to do it you say well hi timmy i don't have any candles well <laughs> go get some candles <laughs> like do that you got to get candles uh small investment for a, a big reward right so do just do that do whatever you need to do to create a a romantic uh, sexual atmosphere. And, and that would be where you could also start it, There's a, a thought out there that it's basically feelings follow action. Okay. Did you catch that feelings follow the action? So the action is first, the feelings come later we get that reversed. We want to feel it to then do it. And that's really, I mean, that can be fine. You know, I want to feel, I want to feel turned on to then make love. Well, that 
happens for sure where you're just horny and you just want to make love, you know, like it just happens, but you can also create that you, you can stir that up yourself. That's something that you can, it's called responsive desire. We want spontaneous desire where it's just spontaneous. I want to see someone, I want to get hard. I want to rock their, you know, like that <laughs> spontaneous. Well, of course that happens from time to time where we're just extra horny or extra whatever. And as soon as our, you know, we see our partner, we're just ready to pounce, you know, that there's just that sexual, that spontaneous sexual desire. And that's good, but come on, we live real lives. We have stresses. We have things on our mind. We have deadlines to meet. We have different things going on in life. And so, you know, we don't walk around in a constant boner <laughs> all the time, you know, like that's not a 24 seven deal. So you got spontaneous desire, but then you have responsive desire and responsive des desire can be from, you know, what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you touch and taste. So with that said, seeing, you know, dressing sexy, looking good for your partner, being flirty, uh, lingerie, right? That a lot of times guys are that easy. Just put on some lingerie, walk in front of the TV. And if, unless he's dead, he will probably come to life. Okay. Hearing sexy things, hearing. So saying sexy things, um, reading out loud, like erotica or something sexy. Uh, that's why texting sex things back and forth can be fun as well. Smell, you know, <laughs> being clean, like super fresh clean is awesome. It's also a turn on super clean is okay. Uh, touch, just touching your partner. Um, even if it's, you know, specifically you know, sexual touching is great, but obviously just going for that right off the bat, I would say start out more massage, like, you know, rubbing their neck, rubbing their shoulder, rubbing their hands or feet or, and be genuine about it. Don't be like, okay, I'll rub her feet for five seconds and then I'll be in right. Like, no, it has to be genuine. And then taste, uh, you know, some wine, some chocolate, some strawberries dipped in chocolate. I mean, I don't know if those are aphrodisiacs or, or not, but they sure seem like it. Um, I know a little wine can be, can be helpful too, um, to, to, you know, get the sexual desire going for sure. That's important. Okay. So I think, I think I've covered, I think I've covered basically I've said, I think I've covered enough. And with that little clip I played, try to put this stuff into practical use, right? Just hearing this is not going to do anything for you. Okay. If you just let this come in, in your head and that's it. I mean, that's a start, right? You might hear something and go, ah, I'm going to go get candles today and light candles and get my wife some flowers. And if that does that, that's freaking phenomenal. That's why I did this podcast. That's why I do this podcast is if it helps just any one relationship in some little way, then I've done my part in, in this world, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
you know, even if I don't have a Joe Rogan podcast with, you know, 11 million listeners, if there's, if there's a handful of couples that listen to this or singles, cause I have a lot of singles that listen and they put into practice some things that I've said, and it helps them have a better dating experience or a better, um, relationship experience or a better marriage or whatever, then my job, I've done my job. I've done what I've, what I feel like I'm supposed to do. Okay. Okay. So I guess I think I'm looking down at my notes. I wrote down tons of notes and I think I really did. I think I did. I think I did catch it up. I think I got it all up here. Yeah. I think, I think I covered it all and gave you lots of things that you could do, uh, small little things, and uh, should make a big difference. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out.